Good morning, church. I'm limited. Pastor Jamie, Pastor Sam, we're limited. I have a couple decades of ministry experience. I have an education. I've been doing this for a little while, but I'm limited. The only power here in this place, the only experience I've had that matters, the only experience you'll have that matters is surrendering your life to Jesus. You know, I was, I was thinking the other day and trying to get an idea about how many times I've been to a church service. You know, probably a thousand, over a thousand. I was trying to do the math. And, and my encouragement to you is whether this is your first service, maybe this is the first time you've ever been in church, maybe you've been to church more than a, you know, a couple thousand times. Maybe you're somewhere in the middle. I just pray that this not be just another day. I pray that this not just be something you have to do today before you do the other things you have to do today. See, like Willie just mentioned, the the experience that most profoundly affected me, the experience on which everything else I've done has been built is saying, Lord, I am done being the Lord of my own life. Now you have your way. See, David's invitation is taste and see that the Lord is good. It's an invitation to have your own experience because I can share my testimony and the pastors can share their testimonies and other believers can share their testimonies, but you, maybe for the first time in your life, would you taste and see that the Lord is good? See, the only thing I have to offer you is Jesus Christ. The only power in this place is his word and his spirit the power of prayer when his people are gathered. And so the past few weeks, I I, I spent time just praying and reflecting. And we looked at, at what being a disciple or a follower of Jesus, what does that look like? And the Lord sort of brought these ideas to our attention, and we've been focusing on this idea of being centered on the word of God. Having that be a priority in our lives and the church, centered on the word of God, submitted to the spirit of God. We don't allow it in, you know, nothing's going to happen. Committed to or connected to the local church. And then this morning, I want to add something to that. Because I think we need to be reminded. And so I want to add, be present in the moment. Be present in the moment. Be centered on the word. Be submitted to the spirit. Be committed to the local church. And be present in the moment. Learn to be still in his presence. Last week during the worship time, this, this phrase struck me, and it always strikes me when we sing these words. He's in the waiting. Because we know that he's in the doing, right? But sometimes we forget that he's in the waiting. He's in the in-between stages. He's in the difficulty. He's on the mountaintops, but he's in the valleys. When he seems silent, When you feel like he's not there, he is. He's in the waiting. See, sometimes what I think we need to learn, church, is we need to learn to rest. 
We need to learn what it means to be still. Over and over again, God's people were told to wait. Psalm 27, 14, wait for the Lord. Be strong and take heart. Wait for the Lord. Psalm 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Isaiah 30, 18, for the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are all who wait for him. And perhaps one of the most famous and beloved scriptures on waiting gives us the reason why we wait. Isaiah 40, 31, that they wait upon the Lord. They will renew their strength. They will mount up with wings as eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. So we're waiting upon the Lord. We're we're still in his presence so that he ministers to us. See, more often than not, what we need to do is we need to slow down. We want God to strengthen us with his presence. We pray for renewal and restoration and joy and peace. We want an increase in the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, but it's so noisy. We're so distracted. Say, I want to hear the voice of God. God say, well, it's hard for me to shout over the voice of everything else. See, if we slow down, he's going to meet us. He's going to give us a testimony. And and I can tell you from my experience, if you don't slow down, he's going to slow you down. It'll be the best thing that ever happened to you. But see, when, when you slow down, you got yourself a little bit of a heads up. All right, we're going we're gonna to come to... When God, he's like, we're just coming to a complete stop. You know what I'm saying? You're going almost through the windshield. But he'll slow us down. See, of course he's in the doing. Of course he's in the serving. Of course he's in the activity. We know that. But the reason the words are so profound, he's in the waiting, is because we forget. We forget. Sometimes we, and when we, when we say we, I mean I, I get spreadsheets leaked to spreadsheets, like, right? I want to get stuff done. Nothing worse than me than to go to work with 10 things on your list to do, and then you leave with 12. But sometimes in the wanting to get things done, I can miss the thing. I was driving the other day. I had lunch with my father-in-law, and I'm always picking on him. I'm not going to pick on him today, maybe a little bit. But I was going to his house. I was driving there to help him with something with technology. That's my only like, gift. He's one of these guys who can sort of do anything. If something's broke, he knows how to fix it. I'm limited, but technology is my thing. So I was just going there to help him with something. He's going to try to sneak out. See, so look at him, everybody. Just in case you ever try to sneak out while I'm talking about you, there he is. That worked against him. But I was just going to, you know, help him with something. I was thinking to myself, there's a guy who's intentional about his time. If you know Gary, it's not just because my father-in-law, everybody can tell. He's always doing something for somebody. He's always somewhere serving, and he's always got a stupid T-shirt on with some bad joke on it, right? Or he'll tell you a bad joke if it's not on his T-shirt. But he's always whistling, always doing something always aware that his presence has an effect on other people and he can bring them up and he can encourage them or he can bring them down. 
So I was just reflecting. I was praying. I was grateful. You know, beautiful fall foliage. Sometimes I think we get spoiled. We drive around, you know, in, in New England in the fall and just stop. Just look, because I was driving, and it was just beautiful foliage, and then these turkeys crossed, and my initial instinct, I had nowhere to go. My initial initial instinct is just like, all right, hurry up, turkeys. And I thought to myself, why? Maybe the turkeys are saying, slow down, turkey. (laughs) Hurry up, why? Here I am, a beautiful New England day, beautiful fall foliage, the turkeys are crossing. And I was like, God stopped me. Don't miss this. Don't miss these moments that you think are moments in between moments. Because these are the opportunities. These are the glimpses I give you. So slowing down means taking a moment to enjoy God. It means enjoy what it means to be human, the ability to connect to God and other people, to be part of something bigger than ourselves. It starts with just an intentional awareness of his presence. And that has to involve being still, slowing down, learning to rest in him, learning to trust in him. When my father was dying of cancer at 56 years old, he decided that what he he was going to do is he was going to write a letter listing all the things he was thankful for. He's 56, he got cancer. He had kind of reason to be angry, right? I didn't know he had this when he died. It was in his wallet. My mother gave it to me. And I've read it to South Coast. I've read it before. I'm not going to read the letter. But I want to read the last line. I want to read the last line he wrote in a letter thanking God for things when he was facing his death. And the last line, which is the title of this message, he said, thank you, God, for helping me see the beauty in the little things. So the title of the message this morning is Beauty in the Little Things, Learning to Be Still in His Presence. Beauty in the Little Things, Learning to Be Still in His Presence. Time is precious. Time is precious, no matter how much you have never seems to be enough. So I want us to talk this morning about making the most of our time, about being present. So Father, would you do what only you do? What we trust that you're doing even now that you're beginning to do, God. Would you soften our hearts? Would you, the hands that are are balled tight, would you open our hands, God? Would you speak to us deeply in a way that only you can, that we'd receive that which you have for us, God, but that you'd cause it to bear fruit in our lives, that your presence would become an ever-increasing reality to us, God, and that we would operate, our entire lives would be an overflow of your presence in us. God, have your way. You know the busyness and the brokenness and the distraction. You know the disappointment, God, and And you also are the source of our peace and joy and strength. Meet us here, God, your children. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So we can make the most of the time we have here on earth by making the most of our walk with God. 
It always, it always, it's remarkable to me when people live carelessly about the things of God. When you ask people, you know, some people have, you know, made a decision for Christ, or some people have said there is no God, but there's a lot of people who are just like, yeah, I don't know. Like, do you think that's an important question, though? I mean, have you thought, yeah. Like, all of life just happens to them. It's like people wake up and just, and just react to the stimuli around them. And it's easy to say that people in the world do that, that we in the church know better, but we do that. See, if you don't grab the day, if you don't capture the day, the day's just gonna grab you, just gonna... You're, when people say, how are you, the answer's gonna be dependent on what happens. I don't know. I got in a fight with my wife, I'm bad. Things were good, you know, like there's just no... There's nothing from within that's changing us. We're just being changed by what's around us. See, one day, everyone's gonna have to stand before the creator of the universe... And so when we talk about making the most of your time on earth, it's essential you know and trust Christ as your Lord and Savior. When I'm going to talk about a walk with God, making the most of your life, apart from him, there is no making the most of your life. C.S. Lewis said, God cannot give us happiness and peace apart from himself. It is not there. There is no such thing. You can't have happiness and peace and joy apart from the one who is those things. See, everyone here today, I urge you to trust in Christ. All my experience, all my education, all my preparation, all my prayer, none of that means anything if that's not built upon me going, you know what, God, I am done. And again, like Willie said, I, that, was like, that wasn't like, hey, God, I'm ready. Use me as a soldier. That was, hey, I am done. I give up. You gave me a chance, I messed it up, I'm finished. And if God were like human coaches, he would be like, yeah, you're right. Look at you, you made a mess. Go sit on the sidelines, you're never gonna play in this game again. I mean, that's what he should have said. But instead, he dusts us off, brushes us off. I love you, you got this, get back in the game. Not just for me, not just for the pastors, but for all of us. See, the enemy wants you to sit on the sidelines. Doesn't matter why you're sitting there, just wants you to sit in the sidelines. Don't do it. Paul writes, Romans 10, 8, the word is near you. It's in your mouth and in your heart. That is the message concerning faith we proclaim. In other words, you've heard the truth. You've been exposed to it. It's there. Allow it to be living and active. Allow it to change you. Submit to it. Surrender to it. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart, God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified, and it is with your mouth that you profess and are saved. Scripture says anyone who believes in him will never be put to shame. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. The same Lord is Lord of all and richly blesses all who call on him. For everyone who calls in the name of the Lord will be saved. It's as simple as that, church. Jesus doesn't say, get your life together and come join me. Jesus says, come join me and together we'll get your life together. Amen. So this morning I want to talk to you about that living in a moment as a Christian. Because it's easy to, you know, to get everything on the outside squared away. You know, we start to take care of the big things. And then we just get into this rat race, this, just, just, this constant cycle. And a, and a year goes by and then a decade goes by and you just go, man... 
I'm missing it. This week, when I was praying, the Lord brought to my attention every single one of my kids separately this week said, Dad, would you pray for me? Every one of them. And I thought, man, that's something to celebrate. That's something to be happy about. That's something, that's something to pause and reflect and be grateful for. But we can miss it. I can miss it. Looking to the next thing. Not being intentional about my time. I was thinking the other day, I was talking to Jamie about, and it was about within the context of really questions when reading the Bible. And, and if you're in a community group or if you've been around some of the studies we've talked about, when you read the Bible to understand it, there's certain questions you ask of the text specifically. So who's the author? What was the occasion of the writing? Uh, who's the audience? Where was it written? Those types of things. And I was saying to him that really as Christians, we need even a larger, like a, a wider scope when we're reading scripture. And we really should always be asking three questions is, what does this say about God? Because the Bible is given to us, not just that we know more about God, but that we know God more, right? For a relationship with him, not just so we're smarter. So what is this telling me about God, this text? What is it telling me about the author? And then ask the question, what is it telling me about humanity or about me? What, what, what is it telling me about humans? And then how do I apply it? What's the relevance? And so we always have to ask those bigger questions when we're reading the Bible. What is, what is being revealed about God? What is being revealed about humanity? And what are we to do as a result? And I was thinking about this. In terms of what we're talking about today, in terms of being intentional and aware in our everyday life, as far as seeing beauty in the little things, Psalm 4610, be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Psalm 4610, in the NASB version, it says this, cease striving and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted on the earth. Cease striving. Stop trying. And I thought, how un-American. But it doesn't just say stop trying. And there's a period that says stop trying and know that I am God. Means there's a limit to what you can do. There's a limit to what I can do. There is no limit to what he can do. Amen. So it is acknowledging, you know what? I got to do my part. And sometimes, oftentimes, my part is to be still and allow him to work in me before he works through me. In other words, no matter what is going on, the Lord's saying, trust me. Know that I'm sovereign, I'm good, I'm perfect, I'm just, I'm loving, I'm your source of life. Know me more. See, I think when we try to live intentionally, when we try to make the most of every moment, we're doing very much what we, what we do with the Bible. And, and if you have the sweatshirt or the t-shirt, we have the arrows going, reminding us to look upward, God changes us inward, and we live it outward. But I think it's also a nice reminder 
to no matter what you're doing, no matter where you are, no matter when you're, when you're alone or you're in a beautiful place, to ask yourself, what do, what do I know right now about God? What is this experience? What is the world? What do, what do I know about God right now? And to be quiet enough to listen, what is he saying to me? And then if you're with other people, what opportunity do I have to live out, to be Christ right now? And it sounds like a lot, like, well, what? Whenever I'm by myself, I'm gonna... But, but if you do this, if you begin to just do it, when you have a free moment, instead of picking up your phone or distracting yourself some other way, if you just ask yourself those questions, what do I know about God right now? What is, what is the beauty of the day? What is the difficulty of the situation? What is this telling me about God right now? What is he trying to say to me as a person? And how can I live out the lesson? And if you do that, eventually you'll find out that it becomes second nature, that you don't have to be so intentional, that when you have quiet time alone, you'll say, Lord, you're aware of his presence. You're aware of, his, his, of the reality of him being in the waiting Because we say, Lord, speak to me. And we don't listen. I've been trying to speak to you for a decade. But you don't slow down. See, be aware that time we have is a gift for us to grow and be more like Jesus. All of it. And we need to look outward. We need to see opportunity. See, too often, like Martha, we forget what's best. And it's easy to read, and I've heard preached, You know, in the story of Martha and Mary, Martha was bad, Mary was good. Martha didn't do the right thing, Mary did the right thing. I don't think that's that's true, though. I'm going to show you. Luke 10, verse 38, at the home of Martha and Mary. Verse 38, it says, As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now wait, let's just stop there. Because it doesn't look like she got a text. It doesn't look like anyone called her. It doesn't look like anyone was like, hey, Martha, so next Tuesday, you know, like. No, he was just, he was just coming. <laughs> now, if you're a wife or if you're a homemaker or whatever, I know my wife, if I tell her the day before this stress, there's cleaning to be done. There's, you know, we got to prepare the house. That's what you do. That's the right thing to do. So as Jesus' disciples were on their way, came to the village, she just knock, knock, knock. Hey, Martha. Like, whoa. There's some stress here. So what does she do? She tries to do what you're supposed to do. Says verse 39, she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. And this, then this, this is the, these are the key words here. In verse 40 it says, but Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. It's not so much that Martha was busy. It's not even so much that Martha was doing what she was doing. I think the problem is that Martha was distracted. And in fact, I think it shows her frustration. And it says, she came to him and asked him, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by herself? Tell her to help me. Now, I don't get the impression that this was a calm. I think this was like, 
Look at her. She's lazy. She's doing nothing. I've been busting. You know, I've been working hard. Tell her. Jesus, you tell her. She's wrong. She was frustrated. She was annoyed. She's looking at her sister. And she's looking at the stuff that she's got to do. Verse 41, Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you are worried and upset about many things. See, I don't think the problem was that Martha was busy. I think the problem was that her busyness caused her to be distracted and worried and upset. And that caused her missing looking at Jesus and it caused her judging her sister. See, I think the the problem was that everything that Martha needed was standing before her and she missed it because she was too busy. She was preparing for the one who stood among her. And Jesus said, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. Mary has acknowledged and recognized the one thing that somehow needs to be done over all other things. Jesus was busy. Nobody would say Jesus wasn't busy, but he was never hurried. He was always obedient to the Father, and the things that disciples often thought were a distraction, Jesus would be like, no, no, no. That right there, that's the reason we're here. That child or that annoyance or that, you know, that person, that's the reason we've come here. See, if we, if we get so caught up in the distractions and the preparations that it causes us to take our eyes off Jesus and be negative toward our brothers and sisters, we've missed something. See, not that service is bad, but if you're so busy running around for Jesus that you missed him standing in the middle of your life, unattended to, you miss something. Last week we said Jesus is going to say, you know, when I had no clothes, you gave me clothes. When I had no food, you fed me. When I was in jail, you visited me. Some of us is going to be like, well, you could have, but. Take time to listen in prayer, not just petitioning prayer, not just asking, for God, asking God to do things, which is good, which is biblical. Lord, take this cup from me. Lord, change my circumstance. Lord, change me. But ultimately, Lord, your will be done. Ultimately, it's just your presence. But we spend all of our prayer time talking to God, and that's good. But then when do we listen for the answer? See, people, I got a problem, you know, and I'm saying, well, have you prayed about it? Yeah, you know, I keep praying about it. Well, have you listened to God's voice, or you just, like, run in, tell him, you know, tell him your stuff, and then run out? Because that's sometimes what prayer looks like. Lord, here's all my problems. You do something about them. I'll catch you next time. It's like, but I was going to talk to you about it. See, when we're aware that we're in his presence, we can be more thoughtful about what to do with the most precious gift we have, which is our time. How many days do you have left to live? I was reading an article the other day. I don't know how they figured it out, but they said if you're 45, you have about 2,000 days left to do what you want to do. So they're saying when you subtract the time you spend sleeping, working, tending to personal matters, eating, doing chores, 
and all these miscellaneous time stealers that you have left about 2,000 days to spend as you wish. Time, the most valuable thing by far that you have. You can gain money, you can lose money, you can gain relationships, you can lose relationships. Time once gone is gone forever. And everything you exchange your time for, you're never going to get that time back. Consider what the psalmist advised in Psalm 90 verse 12. Teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom. New Living, New Living Translation says, teach us to realize the brevity of life that we may grow in wisdom. In other words, teach us to be thoughtful about each and every day. So the answer to the question, how many days do you have left to live, is all of them. Each and every one. Every day is a gift to you, an opportunity to live and experience what God has for you. When we talk about a disciple will connect and grow and serve and go, what ties all those things together is worship. And it's not just outward. It's not just the songs we sing. It's the posture of our heart. Awareness comes, uh, worship comes from an awareness of him. Worship comes from understanding God's presence in my life to have an awe of God, a fear of God. To look up to his presence. There's a, there's a few scriptures I really love here. And you can find your own, but the scriptures that cause me to, to remember his presence, to look up to his presence, Psalm 27.4. David writes, One thing I ask from the Lord, this only do I seek. Of all the things he wants, of all the things he's ever asked for the Lord, he's saying this here is the most important. This is his deepest desire. And then he says that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze on the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. David knows to taste and see that the Lord is good, to be in his presence, to gaze upon his beauty, to seek after him. And then to consider what he's teaching you. Proverbs 1.7 says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. To beware of his presence, to be teachable, to allow him to work in your heart, and then to live out his will for your life. Ephesians 5, verse 15. Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. That means being wise means avoid making foolish choices, and the only way to do that is to understand the will of God. I read a quote, and maybe some of you have heard this, but it says, most middle-class Americans tend to worship their work, to work at their play, and to play at their worship. Most middle-class Americans tend to worship their work to work at their play and to play at their worship. And as a result, their meanings and values are distorted and their relationships are deteriorated. See, to know the word of God is to spend time with the author. It's to spend an increasing amount of time so we have an increasing love for or presence of him in our lives. There's a place for Solid teaching and preaching, 
This is a place to come and worship him. This is a place for fellowship and friendships and relationship. But nothing in your life is going to be a substitute for the invitation to taste and see that God is good in your life, in your circumstance, in your situation. The gospel, in the gospels, the theology of rest is most clearly articulated in the words, come to me and I will give you rest. You will find rest for your souls. A rest, yes, for another place, but also a rest for here and now. A rest that comes out of a right relationship, a peace that comes out of a right relationship, a security that comes out of a right relationship with God internalizing and living out John 16, I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take care, I have overcome the world. See, this idea of looking upward and inward and outward is not just some mystical way of living. It's about being aware and intentional. And as we transition to communion, let's pause and reflect God ministers to us so he can minister through us. And if he's not ministering through you, if he's not ministering to you first, you're just doing religion. It's just an overflow of stuff you think you're supposed to do, but it needs to come from a heart like his. Our ministry and our lives are an overflow of us having been with Jesus. So we have to make sure our priorities are in order. Even now as we prepare for communion, we look up and we see what God did, that he sent his son. And we look forward with anticipation because we know he'll come again. I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. So we reflect and we celebrate and we anticipate. We look at what God's done in our lives, what he's doing. And then Paul tells us to be intentional, to be thoughtful, to be prayerful, to consider what it, what, what it is that he still wants to do. And so as we prepare for communion, as we listen to the worship team sing these songs, I want you to take this moment. The altars are going to be open. Don't worry about your neighbor or your friend who's on the side of you. I know that there are addictions in this room I know there's brokenness and dysfunction and pain and there's distractions and there's worry and it's good that we can come here and and sometimes be encouraged and hear a word and it fills us up and maybe it sparks something in our mind but God wants to capture your heart He doesn't want this to just be one more Sunday at church. I know there's family members that don't know Jesus. I know there's people that are just hanging on, maybe barely made it here. But you're here because God wanted to speak to you today here in this place. Let him do that. Listen to that still small voice maybe for the first time in a while and my prayer is that as we celebrate communion together that the cry of each of our heart is Lord I just want to go deeper Lord would you just have your way 
So the altars are open. You can stand and kneel. You can sing and sit. But help it. Help the focus be about you and him. About you and Jesus.